And today's reading is taken from Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking out to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Thanks, Irene Helen. Uh, my warm welcome to you again. It's good to be here with you this afternoon. Um, I love reading a good novel, um, and one I read recently is um, Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. I don't know if you've ever read that as a good doorstopper, that one. Um, I enjoyed reading it because it was a great, um, fascinating glimpse into a world which I don't really know much about. It is the high society, a Russian life in the 19th century. And as you look at these characters in the novel, they all seem to kind of have everything, humanly speaking, that you could have at that time. They've got mansions, they've got chauffeur carriages, they get to travel all around Europe. But as you look at each character, there is that sense that each of them has a great uh, dissatisfaction with life. Uh, one of the characters, a guy called Vronsky, an aristocrat, uh, he cannot be satisfied until he gets to have Anna Karenin as, as, you know, as his partner, despite the fact that she's married and has a child already. In one place in the novel, he says to her, I cannot think about you and about myself separately. I do not see before us the possibility of peace. I only see the possibility of despair, misfortune. And he gushed, chill out. I mean, you, you wouldn't want him on Tinder, right? He would be stalking you like the other night. Just, just calm down. Um, but before we dismiss Bronsky as a sort of hopeless romantic, uh, don't we all hunger for something more. I was so striking a few years ago, um, Ash Barty, the, the Wimbledon champion at the time, a women's Wimbledon champion, shocked the world, only 25, by retiring uh, from professional tennis. I don't know if you remember that at that time in, in, in the news. And in an article, she said that she wanted to go to visit people around the world, uh, indigenous communities. She loved doing that. She wanted more time to do that. She said she wanted to have time to spend with her nieces and nephews and her sister. I thought it was a really brave thing, a really brave choice to make at, at only 25. These are great things to do. But is it not fascinating? Not even being a Wimbledon champion can satisfy. I wonder what it is for us. What has left us wanting more? What has left us restless? Uh, for satisfaction. And so here's a choice before us this afternoon. Uh, do we stick with our fragile attempt, attempt at satisfaction? Or do we reach out and take hold of real food that truly satisfies? 
you know, as, as we've been working through this, this series of meals with Jesus, uh, here we see this afternoon that he satisfies on two levels. He renews us with a, re- uh, he satisfies us with a renewed life, and he empowers us to satisfy others. Firstly, he satisfies us with a renewed life. Here we are, we're reading about the, the feeding of the 5,000 on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, the sort of classic Sunday school story. Uh, it might be that you get back to your desk later on and a colleague asks you, what, what did you do for lunch? And you said, oh, well, I heard a kid's story. <laughs> but let's uh, just remind, remind ourselves that the author of this Gospel, Luke, he says that he's reporting eyewitness accounts. Uh, he places these events, even the miraculous ones, in real space-time history, the 15th year of Emperor Tiberius, when Pilate was the governor of Judea. And so might there be more to this story than just uh, something that makes a nice picture for a colouring in book? Someone once said this, that the miracles of Jesus are acted out parables. That is, that there is a deep, life-changing meaning in these events which Jesus would love for us to take hold of and understand. I don't know if you saw in that passage how Jesus responds to the crowds. This hungry crowd comes to him. And what's his response? Verse 11, he welcomed them and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed healing. You see, Jesus does not just sort of shoo us away if we come to him hungry and longing for satisfaction. He renews us with his words and his healing. He renews us with his words. Is it better than silly catchphrases like New Year, New You? Jesus spoke to them about the kingdom of God. In, in Luke's gospel, the kingdom of God is just a sort of a shorthand for saying life restored to God's rule. That is life the way it should be. Jesus wants everyone who comes to him uh, to receive the good news that he restores us to the life that we were made for. That's what he wants you and I to know this afternoon. Jesus sees all the, all the wrong places that I have and that you have tried looking for satisfaction. Uh, he sees our conscience uh, stained and weighed down with our bad choices. And he speaks to us words of life. He says to us, come pay the price. Come, I can make it clean. Come, I want to satisfy you with the love and the friendship of God. You know, the Bible says this, that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. He renews us with his healing. When I was in my 20s, um, I I could run I could do loads of exercise and not stretch, and I'll be completely fine. And now that I'm in my mid-thirties, I, I do that, and I can't walk straight for days. And, and I hear that it only gets worse over time. And so I guess my, my dodgy right knee, if I'd been at that picnic with Jesus, I guess my knee would have been straightened up nicely by his, his healing power. Uh, you, you see what it says in the passage, that he healed all those who needed healing. Uh, and many Christians today, including myself, would testify that This miraculous healing power continues today. Jesus still heals people today. Uh, But all healing, whether whether back then or today, is only an acted-out parable of a deeper, more life-changing healing that Jesus 
wants to bring to us. Uh, in John chapter 6, uh, Jesus explains the meaning of this parable, of, of this sorry, of this feeding of 5,000. He explains it this way. He says, John chapter 6, I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Jesus promises to heal death itself for all who come to him. I mean, what an amazing thought on a Tuesday afternoon. Death healed. It may be you think that's, well, that's too amazing. It's too amazing to be true. And I, so, I guess I would love to encourage you, if you've never done it before, to maybe take just even a Saturday afternoon uh, to look into the resurrection of Jesus, look into the evidence for that and, and why it's true. I would recommend a book like this. It's called A Reason for God by Timothy Keller. There's a great chapter in there on the resurrection and the evidence for it. Because Jesus' own resurrection is, is why he can promise this, this kind of healing to all of us. Personally, I've found that that assurance of, of life beyond the grave, of life after death, is a truly satisfying way to live now. You see, I don't, I don't need to be anxious about experiencing everything now, and knowing everyone now, achieving everything now, because I can, and you can, be satisfied today, because you know that you have eternity tomorrow. What an amazing thought to have. You see, but that is not all. Because not only does Jesus satisfy us, but he, he, he liberates us to satisfy others. And so secondly, we see that he empowers us to satisfy others. You know, left to ourselves, we're, we're probably no better than the disciples. Do you see how they react to the crowd? Verse 4, send the crowd away. Send them away. Now, why did they react that way? Uh, let me explain it this way. The, the uh, German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this. He says, human love desires the other person, his company, his answering love, but it does not serve him. Human love produces human subjection, dependence, and constraints. What does he mean? He means this, if, if, I'm still, if I'm still restless for satisfaction myself, if I'm still searching for satisfaction, I cannot truly love other people. You see, because everyone else is there to meet my need for satisfaction. And so they must be subjected and they must be constrained. Left to ourselves, satisfaction has to be a zero-sum game. It has to be. If a glittering career is what's going to bring me satisfaction, then, well, all my colleagues are competition because there's not enough room at the top. If, if a great education is, for my children is what's going to bring me satisfaction, well, then my, my neighbours are a threat because the local grammar school is oversubscribed. <coughs> but Jesus changes all of this. He flips the scripts. Verse 16, after breaking bread... He gave it to the disciples to distribute. Do you see that? He, not only does he empower them with satisfaction, he empowers them to satisfy others, to bring it to others. And so verse 17, they all ate and were satisfied. How liberating is this? How liberating is satisfaction is not a zero-sum game with Jesus. There, there is more than enough life in God, overflowing life, for me to be loved and for others to be loved. For me to be forgiven and for others to be forgiven. For me to be granted eternal life and for others to be granted eternal life. 
And so when I'm satisfied with Jesus, well, real love becomes possible for the first time. Rather than threats, I begin to see opportunities. I, I, I get to celebrate my colleagues' giftings because, well, my, my own worth is, is secure as a child of God. And, and so I get to celebrate other people's giftings. Uh, I get to show hospitality to my neighbours because, well, I'm, I'm so excited to share with them the love and the message of Christ. By his Holy Spirit, Jesus empowers us to play a part in bringing satisfaction to a restless world. In a moment, I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, we've come to the end of our time uh, in this talk. But I would just love to give you a minute now just to reflect in silence on how God might have to speak to you through this. Uh, it may be that you felt Jesus saying to you about some area of your life. Uh, come to me. Come back to me. And let me satisfy you. It might be that you've, um, you've felt Jesus prompting you uh, to, to maybe move towards someone uh, maybe for the first time uh, with real love and, and to be an agent of satisfaction to others. Uh, so a moment now in, in quiet to reflect for yourselves and I'll close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you satisfy us. We thank you that uh, in you is life over them. We thank you that you can renew us satisfaction in this life and we just uh, give you praise and ask that you do that in our hearts and in our lives today help us to receive you to come to you and to be with you and to know satisfaction and walk in daily in your love forgiveness and life and we ask you forgiveness of those areas where we've turned to wrong things to creative things for the satisfaction that only you can bring Please would you empower us by your Holy Spirit to go out into the world this day with this message of good news and to be agents of bringing your satisfaction to others. We pray in Jesus' name.